Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I am H.A. Conrad here with my wonderful co-host. Ali Matu. How's it going everyone? We are talking Harry Potter. Or Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to be talking about all things Harry Potter, the Harry Potter phenomenon, different new things that have come out of the whole franchise. And we have a pretty interesting infinite crossover chamber today. We're We're crossing over two real people. And these are two people that are going to be just, we're going to have so much fun with this conversation. J.K. Rowling versus George Lucas. Yes. Can't wait. What's our top five, Conrad? Our top five is our personal favorite Harry Potter moments, and whether that be film, book, whatever. um, I have have some... Or fandom. Or fandom. Um, So... I'm very excited to be talking about this with you, Ali. This I, has been this will be an interesting episode. I can't wait. Um, just to get started, you know, just I'm wondering how did you how did you discover Harry Potter? How did you get into the whole franchise? You know, what's really interesting is that I started. Um, I was introduced to Harry Potter mainly because I saw people on the New York subway reading the books on the train. Do you remember what year this was? This was when I still lived in New York. So this would have been um, the first time around. Yeah. Um, so I want to say that this would have been probably 99 or 2000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just, I guess I saw two people or so reading on the train. And, and then, you know, this is the thing about New York subways. People are always looking around. You see, <laughs> and this used to be before Kindles, this used mm-hmm. to be something you would see like different books and you could Before kind iPods, of, you'd see a lot more right? books. And, yeah. and you would just see people kind of enjoying their books. And generally, if you saw a lot of the same book, sometimes it would be you know, interesting. And the same thing happened actually when Watchmen came out, you would see Mm -hmm. a lot of people reading the watch, reading Watchmen graphic novel on the train. Mm -hmm. And, um, in this case I saw it a couple of times and I, and I actually was like, what is that book? Cause Mm -hmm. it's a little, cause I would see a lot of adults reading it, which I was a little bit. And this is before the resurgence of young adult fiction for that adults embraced. Right. And so I actually went to a bookstore after seeing this two days in a row, basically, and and went and I was like, OK. And it was in the children's section. And I actually had to look a little bit to find it. And I bought it and I read it in one day, as you know. Uh, so <laughs> This story makes total sense to me, because as I know you, Conrad, you see a book uh, that you that piques your interest and it's like must read book. Yeah. And you consume it. And I've done this ever since I was a kid. I would, you know, stay up late and get in trouble because my mom would ca- like I would stay up all night. If I liked a book, I would stay up all night reading it and be exhausted in school the next day. And this is still continued into adulthood. So did you read like at that point, I think book one, two and three at least were yeah. out. So basically I read the first book and I said, oh, my gosh, how did I not know about this? Yeah. And then the next day immediately went and bought chamber of secrets yes oh no i bought everything that was available so (laughs) so, and then i was like i can't believe that there aren't more out right now um and so um yeah so that's how i started did you you then go on and see the films and it was all history from there yeah no of course and i was very excited about the films and um well my journey to the the fandom and the franchise is is a little different um in 2001, I was in a math class in college, and my um, <laughs> my, my professor at the time, um, like the week that the Harry Potter film was coming out, came to class dressed as a wizard. Ah. And I was like, what? And a lot of people in that class were kind of puzzled. And this is when I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, she said, oh, you guys, it's Harry Potter week. Aren't you excited? Harry Potter's coming out. And I was like, what is Harry Potter? And then she's like, it's his cool book wizard. And like, he does this stuff and blah, blah, blah. So she was really pumped about it. I did not see the film. I waited till it came out on video. And my exploration came from the movies. When I saw the, the DVD, I was like, oh, this is a kind of a uh, this is a great like holiday movie. I really thought it was a nice kind of magical journey. I thought the world was interesting. Then the second movie came out and I was like, mm, this was OK. It felt a lot like the first movie, but a little different. The third movie came out, which I loved it as a film. 
Um, I saw that when it came out and it had, you know, Alfonso Cuaron. I'm a huge fan of the director. Really enjoyed it. Then I saw the fourth movie and I was so confused at the ending. Wait, so you did this without reading? Yes. Yeah. So I saw the first four movies without reading any of the Why books. Why on earth would you do such a well, thing, Well, because it, it didn't, um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, um, I'm the sci-fi psychologist. I'm not the fantasy psychologist. Uh-huh. And it didn't, it didn't pique my interest to the point where I wanted to start reading the books. But I, um, the fourth book, at that point, I really loved the characters and the universe. Right. And I was confused. And um, one of my friends, Alida, she um, she's a huge Harry Potter fan. And I was I saw the film with her and she's like, yeah, um, Ali, I can't really explain it. You need to read the books. And I was like, OK. So at that point, I went and I read all the books. Book one through six were out. So I read those all in a summer. And at that point, um, all the rest of the movies, Order of the Phoenix, um, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows 1 and 2, I saw those books, or I saw those films after reading the books. So it was whenever Order of the Phoenix came out, which was, I mean, I'm sorry, whenever Goblet of Fire came out, which was like 2006 or 2007, that's when I really embraced the fandom and the community. It's it's just because of the themes that are introduced even within the movies, it surprises me that you wouldn't have looked at the books earlier um, from a psychology point of view, but yeah. but in any case, I mean, I think that part of the appeal of all of these stories and the story of Harry Potter, um, and you know, you, I think part of why I was really hooked after reading that first book is that I got this feeling that I had not gotten since reading um, the line, the witch in the wardrobe mm. and those sorts of books. Um, and, and to, to some extent, you know, the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. series. Um, but it was this very rich world that had been built and it was definitely a hero's journey, which of course obviously gets me very very excited to see what it happens fires next. fires all of your literary... Uh, yes, it uh, makes it like all the, all the big things. All, all, all literary my, neurons. All are... my Joseph Campbell neurons get, get, <laughs> yeah. uh, get fired. Um, <laughs> and I was actually really taken by this story that wasn't... I don't want to say talking down to children. It was definitely a children's book, um, but it, it treats children like not like they're smarter than adults but like they have their own world going on and their own universe going on and their own troubles happening and you know especially with some of the bullying aspects of harry's home life and his crappy home life and you know some of the challenges he deals with at school because he is this icon yeah um he is this legend i thought all of these were just seriously fascinating things (laughs) to put into this book and and conversation starters and um, that you could have with kids. And I saw, you know, and the other thing I really loved about it is that especially when the books would come out, you know, there were the release dates and you would go and wait in line and you saw parents with their kids waiting very late at night and a lot of adults too, obviously. <laughs> but I was thinking what a great shared experience this would be for parents to have with their children. Absolutely. That, that's what is so, um, that that's what appeals to me about Harry Potter so much is uh, this world and universe that's created. Um, J.K. Rowling has created a world in which you want to live, um, a world that you want to explore. Um, you know, I I read these books and I saw the movies and I I wanted to go to Hogwarts. I wanted to be able to have some of these experiences. It was um, just you, an interesting. You wanted universe. an owl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm the biggest like tech geek, and I love science fiction. And this was one of the first times where I there, uh, there was a, a fantasy series that I just um, wanted to embrace so much, and I wanted to live in it. And there's so again, we'll talk about our favorite Harry Potter moments at the end. Um, but that was awesome, and I think it, it was unique. Where you know the lead character has glasses. Right. And he's and he, you know, it's he does not have everything that you would want. Like his life has some really terrible moments. Absolutely. Especially in the beginning. It's it's a little bit depressing. And it's like if you really imagine a child being treated like this, it's heartbreaking. And um, that the interesting thing, you know, as I was reading the first story, I was also reminded of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. Um, different circumstances, obviously, but 
but Charlie is living in this this very difficult existence, this existence of poverty and and hunger and um, basically gets to enter the the world of Willy Wonka and the to- mm-hmm. chocolate factory. And there's all these very uh, magical yeah, moments. Yeah. And and but it's also dark. It's yeah. very dark. And so the Harry Potter, the Harry Potter world, what I liked about it was that just because he enters the wizarding world, all of his problems are not solved. He still has other and newer challenges and challenges that he has to basically ramp up and learn about. Um, but ultimately, and is discovering things about himself and about his friends and about what his principles mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And and you watch him grow up in these books. And but. it's really, I mean, I know that, that, that J.K. Rowling has come under fire for certain things that are presented in the book and certain things she does with the, the plot and Yes, I mean, obviously you can you can punch holes in almost any series like this, mm-hmm. but I think she does a great job at evolving his character. Yeah, and and you know, there's criticisms of her writing and there's criticisms of the characterization and you know, I think a lot of those are are definitely valid, but um to me it gets back to the fun and wonder of the universe. And and, and the discovery, how the he's discovery, discovering this universe, yeah, how it unfolds. Um, it, it makes me think about um, uh, Plato's myth of the cave, the, the allegory of the cave. And that gets to this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory sort of idea of you have an individual living in a world and they think they understand how the world works. And then certain things happen that are, and certain things are revealed that change how this person sees reality. And you can't quite return back to that home that you were, and you can't quite return back to that way that you understood the world. We see these in a lot of heroes' journeys where, you know, the characters change. But what Harry Potter does really well, and through his lens, we see this, we see the universe in a very different way. Right. Uh, and the films un- un- unveil that unveil that well. The books unveil that well. Um, And as the books progress, you learn more and more about the universe. And what the story is does so well is there are signs of the final reveals with Deathly Hollows that tie all the way back to to the first book. Um, They do. And and, you know, there's so so I don't have the same criticism that some people have with her writing. Um, nor with some of the, the plot holes, because I do I do think that those are honestly just not an issue. And I I honest I am in such awe of the universe that she has created. And not not only that she has created, but really helped, I think, um she as we know, and we may get into this in the crossover episode, she has been quite involved in how the Harry Potter universe interacts with the public um, and how the franchise is unfolding and the different things with the franchise that get unveiled. So, you know, for example, the theme parks. Well, let's let's, so let's talk about the franchise, because we we started with the series of books. Um, The books were ahead of the movies. The movies got got created. We led this. This led to eight movies the last one, last book was split into two and we had one director for the final few mm-hmm. movies but it was a machine at which that they, they were churning out these movies they and remember back in the days when uh they were debating whether or not they're going to replace the cast right because and, they weren't sure if they could keep up with yep, how they yep. were growing up and whether they could make them look as if they were the ages that they were. But they did it. And they did it. And, and they it did, was great. They pulled it off. And then so you have the films. And then we had the theme park that was created mm-hmm. in Orlando, which um, have you seen the theme park? Oh, on? yes. And it's amazing. It's 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 amazing. When you see Hogwarts, you're like, oh, my, that's oh, my, that's Hogwarts. Well, <laughs> and not just not just Hogwarts, but the whole experience walking into it. It's actually very Disney World to me. They really mm-hmm. have created a world where you're walking into Harry Potter World. Yeah. And, the you know, beer, which is amazing. So tasty. It's really good. Yeah, um, yeah. But even, you know, Do you like when, the cold or the hot butter beer. I liked the cold. Cold is so much better. I mean, so I know good. it's supposed to be the warm is canon, but still yeah. the hot, the, <laughs> yeah, the hot yeah. wasn't quite in as, that Florida sun. You need the cold. You need the cold. Yeah. Um. But even just, you know, in they have the three broomsticks, the yep. tavern, and they have little like shadows of Dobby running in and out. Yep. It's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, oh. and in the bathroom, they have Moni Myrtle's voice yes. talking and things. Moni Myrtle. 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I do what but, I can. But, um, you know, they... And and honestly, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't go even further because I thought that they that I thought for sure they were going to have um, and and they are doing this now because there's a Diagon well, ex- Alley. Yeah, but they're expanding. I really was but- surprised that some of the shops weren't open because I would imagine most kids yeah. and some adults might want to be fitted well, and, for robes. And, and it's a little like that. it's a little small. Um, the first part of the wonder, wondrous world of Harry Potter, but there's these magical moments. Like, have you seen anyone? Um, um, with the wand selection. Yes, and it, it's, it's fantastic. It's magical. It's how magical they how it. they do it. And, you know, I was actually, when I went there, we went there with some of our friends, and one of our friends in, in particular, Lisa, is obsessed with Harry Potter. This is her <laughs> thing. She loves it. She just, she loves it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously we wanted to go, but yeah. part of me wanted to go just to watch Lisa uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, experience totally. Totally. Harry Potter world. Um, and she was, and it was great. And it was fun to experience experience that with her oh yeah um, well, I, had we this, were, I had the same experience i went with my friend uh nabil who's a big fan to see him geek out on this stuff um and then i was able to send a letter through the owl post yep, mail we did that and too. it gets stamped and i sent that to my friend sasha but i'm sorry i interrupted no you, no right? no and and that was part of the joy was the joy was watching her experience that and when we were in the one selection i was like wow if if lisa and and we are feeling this this magical like moment and this is a wonderful experience i can't imagine what it must be like for a little kid to go there yeah and to really enjoy that and and well done because every the cast members yeah. stay in character even when they're walking around just regular you know they're just walking around the park but, and it's it's been a success the, the what really fascinates me about the story of the harry potter franchise is how quickly we went from the source material of these books to a huge film franchise to a theme park that was a bit of a pilot test, which is successful, is now getting expanded, mm-hmm. opening the summer, Diagon Alley, uh, which forces you to buy a ticket to both theme parks, which is evilly, dubiously genius on their part. Yep. But now the original park is going to open at Universal Hollywood. There's a Japan park coming. Opening up in May, I believe. In May. Uh, I uh, think it's next it's, year. It's, to, it's 2016, it's to, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's, it's in a while. Um, but the, the franchise is expanding. Um, and we have now new things. Well, so, so one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast now is some of the source material is being revisited and revised in some ways. And there's an expansion of the franchise happening, not just with the theme parks, but with new source material coming out, new adaptations coming out. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I know J.K. Rowling at one point when she finished the final book said, this is it. Yeah. There, this is all we're doing. This is all the Harry Potter you're going to get. And then she went back and said, mm, maybe not. <laughs> Let's hold off on that a little bit. Yeah, and and so we've seen. I, I think one of uh, one of the ways in which the original canon was revisited um, and changed a little bit was when um, someone. I, I think she was doing a fan reading. Um, fan reading. That sounds like someone like reading tea or something right, for right. a fan. <laughs> no, what I meant is she was reading the book for fans and had a little question and answer. And someone asked her about, um, did you ever think about Dumbledore having like a romantic relationship? And she paused, reflected and said, well, I always thought uh, um, Dumbledore was gay, which was a huge reveal at the right. time. And she it wasn't just that she thought he was gay. He did have a partner. Yeah, and yeah. she didn't which is not made it, explicit in no, the books. No, but she just that's that was the backstory. She yeah. didn't really pause that long. It was yeah. you know that that was a huge reveal, but fine. And yeah. so the, you're, and there was like a pause, and the, and then the audience like cheered and clapped, right? Which was so heartwarming. Um, so that was pretty cool to have. I haven't really seen that too much, where one of the content creators reveals something which completely works within the canon and helps you see a character in a completely new light that doesn't tend to happen too much. Right. And I thought that that was amazing. I mean, I don't have any, honestly, I don't have any problem with uh, some of the new things that are coming out because she Ron did. and Hermione? What uh, do you think? Is she, well, so she recently came out and said it was probably a mistake. It was a bit of wish fulfillment for me to have Ron and Hermione pair up. I think in in some ways it's a little too late to say that. But, yeah, that was a very recent comment. Yeah, that was made. a recent comment. So I don't know about that one. But um, I do think that, you know, some of the things that she's doing with with 
Harry Potter, some of the newer content. She's, so what's some of the new stuff? It's, are you well, talking like Pottermore kind of stuff? Are you well, talking? no. I mean, Pottermore, she, it's like if you go on Pottermore, there's a lot of interactive experiences that you can have with a book that is supposedly going to make your life a little bit more richer reading the book. And I think probably for kids and things, and maybe not kids, it would be, it's like a great idea and fun and interactive mm-hmm. and just increases your appreciation for mm-hmm. the Harry Potter franchise. And... Side note, from the business angle, it's a great way to get new people plugged in and have a different experience with the books because it it kind of, you know, so since I work with kids all day, um, one of the things that's really popular is to go to these websites and to these free kind of like games online. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit of what Pottermore is designed to do is to have these interactive experiences. And I think the hope, at least for her publisher, is this is going to bring in a whole new audience. Right. And I think it probably will. Yeah, probably does. Um, And then she also has done two different books that are technically within the Harry Potter universe, but don't have anything to do with the the main the canon mm-hmm. uh, characters and things like that. So um, there's the fairy tale book. There's the, the Tales tale. of the Beetle Bard, which yep. was the book referenced in Deathly um, Hollows. The Deathly Hollows. Well, it's, it's referenced a lot. It's referenced a lot. That, so this, they mentioned it the a stories. few times. And then, which is basically, it's like the grim fairy tale of the Harry yeah. Potter world. They're actually quite good fairy tales. They are. They're yeah. great. Um, and then there is another book which is the which we're getting a movie now fantastic beasts and where to find them right and this is many years before the actual harry potter story and is in the same universe but definitely definitely just a totally different storyline yeah newt uh scam scamamander i think mm-hmm. it's it's the main character in that story and i think she originally wrote she wrote this as well as um tales of uh of the Beetle Bard. The Beetle Bard. Both were written to support charities, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, this is getting turned into um, a new movie series. Mm-hmm. And they're talking... At first, the idea was, oh, okay, they're going to turn this into a movie. And now some of the recent reports are this might be turned into a trilogy, which, you know, this gets to some of the, the business angle of this. And Warner Brothers has had a hard time coming up with a new franchise. They have made a ton of money off of Harry Potter. Right. And that is and that films. isn't even the question because it's like even when you go to the Harry Potter theme park, you're going to it and you're like, okay, well is this going to be on point ten years from now? Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. that's that's the question because she is very definitively said, nope, this is the end of all these stories. And this is the end of the stories about these characters. And I actually am seriously wondering whether we're going to see a prequel about Harry's parents, mm. about more about Snape. I wonder if we're going to see, hmm. have other adventures of Harry Potter. Oh, we should probably mention, like, this, no, we, we probably don't even have to mention this, but folks, we're going to be spoiling Harry Potter everything. So if you haven't read the Harry Potter books, you know, this stuff might come up. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a little late in the game, my yeah. friend, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Know, it's all good. Dumbledore um, kill or Dumbledore's dead. But this Sirius is the thing. I do think that this franchise has legs. I think the story has legs. I think that just like when I first read Harry Potter, people are going to grab these books when they're, you know, I think they're going to get definitely more readership. I think that this is going to continue on. Um, I don't think that this is a franchise that's going to die. And in fact, I do think that it is going to be similar to the Star Wars franchise in in the legs that it has. Well, I think it already has to some extent um, with how far reaching it is, how worldwide it is. I think social media and the availability of the source material to everybody worldwide has helped. And it's now on Kindle books. You know, it, it's, it's there's definitely I, I mean, look, I'm going to watch these movies, the the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I'm definitely going to see them because I do love this universe. I also um, if she ever does uh, create that encyclopedia that that um, J.K. Rowling has been talking about, I'm going to buy it. I would love to just dive into this entire cyclopedia of the universe to see how all these things make sense, read some backstories. Um, this is a franchise that does have, um, it's a universe I want to live in. And, you know, I talk about how um, I discovered Star Wars first 
before Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Star Trek really appealed to me in a different way than Star Wars is I wanted to live in that Star Trek universe. I wanted to be in that world. And when I went to Star Trek, the experience, the now um, now gone uh, attraction uh, that used to be at Las Vegas, um, it was the same kind of experience, that wonder that I'm I'm in this world, I'm in this universe. Star Wars was always a little scary for me, but um, the the Harry Potter universe, um, it lights that same spark in me. And I use Harry Potter all the time in my in my work with patients. Well, a lot of the issues that he's dealing with are real world issues, and, yeah. you know, but also set into this very fun universe, even if it's sometimes a scary universe. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, I, I thought that maybe like I work with a wide variety of kids and I work with, you know, everything from like ages five all the way up to young adults. And I work with adults too, but I worried that maybe with the younger kids, Harry Potter, Harry Potter wouldn't be relevant anymore. No, but it is. It is. You know, what's happening is adults love these books read them to their kids the kids watch the movies there's so many there's so many entry points right into the franchise which is i think one one thing that does parallel to george lucas too but you know we talk about how um in order of the phoenix how harry potter's mind is being invaded by voldemort we use as a as an analogy to obsessive compulsive disorder um i talk about patronus charms and basically do cognitive therapy in the guise of Patronus charms. When I'm working with ADHD kids, we create behavior plans and we call them Triwizard Tournaments. And in fact, I, sh- um, I was working with a teenager the other day and talking about, um, I shared the story of when, um, when I passed out. Have I told you this Mm-mm. story? So basically, I was, um, this is my final year of training as a um, doctoral student. I was working at Bellevue. And it was my first day on a um, on an oncology unit. And I ended up um, I, I, before that, I had always worked kind of in a psychologist's office, sitting down in a chair and it's nice and comfortable and cozy and all that stuff. But this was like a raw, really tough unit where you had that hospital smell. People were really in very tough positions. They're on life support, a lot of stuff going on. And I was I was doing a bedside standing eval of a person. It went on for like an hour and a half. I'd never done something like that before. Suddenly, my body started to feel very strange. And I thought, oh, maybe this is anxiety. Let me do some deep breathing here, calm my body down. No, apparently I was losing blood pressure. My blood pressure was dropping. When and I was I was about to faint, and when you're about to faint, doing deep breathing is the worst thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I discovered that lesson the hard way, and I said, uh, "Excuse me." And I was walking out of that room. I got to the to where the door was. I grabbed onto that door, and I felt the life escaping out of my body. I'd never passed out before. It's scary. And it's very scary. And my last thought before my face hit the ground was. I'm being kissed by a dementor. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, Conrad. I've, that, you know, the stories give us a way of understanding our life and our reality and the events that are happening around us. And in that final moment, I thought I was dying. And my last thought <laughs> was related to Harry Potter. Um, and well, and this is the interesting thing, though, about the dementors is that J.K. Rowling has said that they are basically the manifestation of depression because she created them after she had been diagnosed with clinical depression. And I always read it as that. I said, wow, this sounds an awful lot. Like when when the, the mentors interact with people, it reminds me an awful lot like depression. And 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 I love that analogy. It is a great analogy. And you know, I, um, you know, I think everybody has had times when they have suffered from depression, some more than others, and some have to really battle with it. Um, and it's it's it is an ongoing thing for you. And I think it's a great way to really think about it, because yeah. then you also can think about how to battle it, which is with the which Patronus, Patronus charm. charm. Expect a Patronum. And that's exact that's exactly the thing with this is the next day I was so anxious about coming back. But I, I realized, oh, OK, now I know the signs and symptoms of what it's like to to be about about to faint and well, there's wait, things did they you can ever do. just have to ask do yeah. they ever figure out why 
why it, I fainted. Did you, is it because you hadn't eaten? Is they it because said, you were They anxious? said, I probably didn't have enough water, probably didn't have enough to eat. I was standing up for a long time. It right. was probably all that kind of okay. stuff put together. Just had to ask. But no, no, totally. And um, I was working with another patient of mine who very recently passed out for the first time. I said, do you, do you know about Harry Potter? And she's like, yeah, do I ever? <laughs> I shared this story and I said, just like Harry, you can learn your own Patronus charm and what to do with your body and you know you can tense your body you can sit down there's things you can do but getting back to the idea of depression it's the exact same thing there are things that people can do to become more activated to begin thinking in a more realistic way Harry Potter has just the canon and source material and I think the real legacy of Harry Potter is this character we can all relate to yeah and he does have a hero's journey and it's not an easy one it is definitely not and things happen he suffers from loss he suffers from a lot of insecurities he suffers from puberty um there's definitely like when i'm reading he suffers from puberty what does that mean well okay so (laughs) do you i don't know if you remember reading this book or when you were reading it but um and there is a specific scene where um, he Are you talking is, about, is this from Order of the Phoenix? I think so. That's the real, I've got it, my, my friend Lowen's got a theory about Order of the Phoenix. That's him in full on adolescent yes, puberty. Yes, yes. Boys and, love that book. Girls like it a little bit less is his theory. It's not that I didn't like it. I actually liked it, but it was, it was, as I was reading it, I was like feeling a lot of sympathy and perhaps and empathy mm. for these characters because it's like oh i remember how that felt to be out on a date and not really know what to do yeah and to be like uh like what are we supposed to be doing like yeah. and then the whole his interactions uh with cho yeah and and um which you gotta say i never really liked her name cho chang it just I, uh, yeah, yeah well that's... whatever I, all that aside <laughs> the interactions and then his interactions also like how his friendships with ron and hermione are he's clashing a little bit because they're yeah. also going through the same thing and yeah. i just remember it's a very hard time and just feeling having a lot of sympathy for harry potter and all these characters that are going through this and it's yeah. a reminder of how hard adolescence i think is it really validates people. the the um, experience of puberty and adolescence it does Absolutely. it does um so you like and so it's very i just really think that this is why they're so popular and also but the fun aspect. We can't forget about that. That's yeah. part of why. I mean, that's why people keep going back to it. The jelly um, beans, the wands, the, the, whole, the yes, whole world. And, and not just that, but like, you know, there are now Quidditch teams. There's an international Quidditch yep. tournament yep. that is happening. It started at your alma mater. Yep, at BU. Although, I honestly, I know it was started there, but I know probably people are going to fight about that. It's probably happening that. at Parallel Yeah, yeah and probably other a lot of people yeah. were doing it in different ways. But they basically, these are people, they they form teams, and they basically pay, play Quidditch. Unfortunately, not flying. That hasn't been, <laughs> you know, solved yet. Well, but we're all muggles. We're not. We are, we are all muggles. Um, but there's actually, like, an international tournament that happens and is being... Which I saw. I saw it here well, when it was in New York. The one this year is going to be, I think JK is going to be judging it or what? something like that. Um, That's awesome. So, um, and have to give a, a shout out here to uh, the podcast, The Leaky Cauldron. And, oh, The Leaky Cauldron. Yes, and, and I love the podcast. their website. If you are interested in Harry Potter, in addition to Pottermore, I highly recommend checking out The Leaky Cauldron and all the things they have to offer. And they basically have all the updates about all this stuff. So, um, that is how I found out about uh, the the uh, Quidditch tournament. Um, but it's, you know, so it's fun, too. So it's it's heavy stuff, but it's also a lot of fun. And despite some of some of the challenges in the universe, people want to live there. Yeah. And, and it's the you know, it, it has done a lot. It relaunched the whole young adult um, fiction genre. We I think one of the reasons we saw um, the line, the witch, the wardrobe turned into a movie. The one of the reasons we saw Twilight take off, one of the reasons we've seen Hunger Games take off um, is because of all this renewed interest in, in young adult fiction. And, and this is one of the ways where J.K. Rowling has been um, just a, a really interesting figure. And I think um, I think we got to we got to venture um, into the. Are you ready? Should we do this? Can we yes. can we venture forward? I think we can venture forward. Folks, prepare yourself, fasten your seatbelts, because we're headed into the infinite crossover chamber. Welcome to the infinite 
It's Bactrobatrodon! That's good. Yeah. That's much better than what I was about to do. Where were you I was going to be like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> like the sound of a broomstick. That's that's the sound of, that's the magic sound that was introduced in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban that Alfonso Cuaron added. Anytime someone does a little magic, he goes, <laughs> it's Seriously, it's in the film. I love it. I don't know why they took that out of the other movies. Anyways. So what are we talking about today, Conrad? So today, um, just to tie in what you were saying at the end there, we are going to be talking, well, we are going to place two live people into the infinite crossover chamber. Besides our partners, is this the first time we're doing real people in the crossover? I'm not sure. I think it is. It may be. But yeah. um, we are pitting J.K. Rowling against George Lucas. dun da 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 na 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 Nice. Mm-hmm. And the question is whether which which creator is the better emperor of their franchise. <laughs> I I love the the visual imagery that comes up with this with like all the Star Wars stuff and Voldemort. Um so, you know, there we should maybe start there. Like we don't necessarily mean evil emperor but we some of the at some points jk and and george um we're on a fir- i'm on a first name basis apparently with the, with the apparently. two of them um but then you would call her joe because i would call her, her joe because that's real her real name. name yeah um she doesn't interesting fact that you just discovered right is um she doesn't have a middle name no and there's i mean no she basically there's no k she basically um and and this is you know it makes me a little bit sad, quite honestly, although I, I understand the need for a pen name and I know she wanted to protect her 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 personal life. And I totally understand that. But part of it was actually pressed upon her by the publishing house because oh. they said that young boys wouldn't want to read a book by a woman. It's the same junk that happened in the 60s with the original Star Trek series where DC Fontana they uh, they hid her name. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want people to think that this was a this uh, writer was a female. Right. Um, boo. Boo. Even though I do think you know J.K. is is super cool and, and D.C. Fontana super cool names oh, too. Oh yeah. As an H.A. Conrad, I'm uh, that's, you know. Yeah, that's true. This I, is true. I, I, I'm all right with that. Um, <laughs> but it just makes You're me a little bit. You're in good company. I am in good company. H-A. It's just it's just it makes me a little bit sad that that was the reason. But she took K from her grandmother's name, yep. which was Kathleen. Yeah. Um, but um, so they're not they're not necessarily we're not talking about who's more evil or anything like that, although both people have done things at times that fans might um, have been upset by. But they, they are two big media moguls, two individuals that control these mega huge franchises. I mean, both of the there's interesting parallels to their story. And, you know, they're both they're both incredibly rich because of the stories that they created. J.K. Rowling is estimated to be worth about one billion dollars. And for a long time, George Lucas was worth about three billion. Now his worth has gone up after selling Lucasfilm. He's up at seven, seven billion. But um, there's a very interesting parallels to Rowling and Lucas. Well, right, because Rowling wrote these books after, I mean, she was going through a very hard time in her life when the story of Harry Potter um, basically popped into her head on a train journey. And and she, um, she, she had had a very hard go of it. She was on welfare. Her mother was dying. Um, from MS, it sounds like she, her marriage was on the rocks and it doesn't, I don't want to get into to rumor mill stuff, but it sounds like it was a very difficult marriage. She was a single mom, so she had a child that she had was responsible for. Um, and basically she started writing Harry Potter in cafes, but she was at, and she even says she was suffering from depression and she was really just at rock bottom um and she started writing this and even you know it's easy enough to look back on this and be like okay she's a billionaire now but to really put yourself back into the place the space in her head she might have been have been at the time um especially when you consider that she was suffering from depression she's it's it's amazing that these stories were created and got out there absolutely and you know, the parallel with George Lucas is um, he had a near-death experience when he was in high school. He had a car accident. He was always fascinated by cars and speed and all of that. And we see that in some of his early work with American Graffiti. Um, 
but he had a near-death experience, which sort of made him question what does he want to do in life and made him think about really kind of pursuing more of his passions. And um, similar to Harry Potter, um, the story Star Wars, um, it, it wasn't it's so easy to look back and be like, oh, this is visionary, this is interesting, it's a reinvention of a fantasy genre meeting, it's sort of a science fiction type of setting and all of that, but um, there were a lot of doubts and questions about whether or not this was even going to take off. Um, and it's actually in some of the ways that Lucas was able to kind of negotiate it and negotiate the funding with 20th Century Fox, which led to him becoming so rich. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he got the rights to the toys and the properties and all of this other kind of stuff. He used it as, as a way of launching um, these other companies he created with Lucasfilm and um, with uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. That kind of led to some of his riches, whereas... Um, Rowling became the producer in the movies. Yep, producers uh, the movies. She she definitely has. She had to sign off on things to do with the theme parks, even to the point where she was the person who signed off on the final butterbeer. Yeah, she tasted it. Oh and, my goodness! You know, I don't. She that, didn't create it, but she wanted to know what it was going to be yeah. like because this is her universe, and she's very protective of it. This is their. Um, in some ways, I don't want to get too like. I don't know. I don't want to be a parody of a psychologist, but in some ways, these are their children mm-hmm. and having um, having that kind of control and nurturing of their their babies. Um, we definitely see this with George Lucas and kind of the tinkering he's he's done right. with the original story, the um, changing certain elements of it. Um, and with both individuals, you were mentioning this a little bit earlier before we started recording about how um, it took a while for the Harry Potter series to come in ebook format. Yep. We've seen this with Star Wars where it took a while for them to come out on DVDs and then Blu-ray. Right. And, and the versions that came out on DVD. And the versions that come out. Well, and even with uh with the Harry Potter series, you know, for the when uh the US publishing houses were battling over who would get to publish this, it ended up being Scholastic. Mm-hmm. And they wanted and succeeded in changing the title to from Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone yeah. because they thought that nobody would know what that meant. Not that people in... Because Americans are so stupid. Well, that we... <laughs> and it's sort of crazy. And actually, there was definitely different terminology within the U.S. books, yeah. which I think is ridiculous. I yeah. mean, they just publish it the way it is. And, and she was very... J.K. Rowling was very upset about this. And I, I actually think that that informed some of the things that you see her doing with the rest of the world. How she's like, no, you know what? Yes, I know we are making a lot of money. I know that it's a huge fran- franchise, but I'm responsible for this franchise. Yeah, And I do think that it is, it is part of that ownership that that's why both she and George Lucas are so involved. This is their... These are their creations. And I know that both of them have also come under fire because people... <laughs> People think that, you know, once it gets to a certain point that you relinquish that and that you should let just everybody go crazy with it. But you know what? I I have some I, I disagree with that to some extent. I mean, I do think that the fans are going to be involved. They're going to write fan fiction. And in fact, J.K. Rowling was very open to that. And until somebody kind of took advantage of that, in my opinion. Um, so. There was a librarian that was writing a Harry Potter lexicon and it was online and it was free. And even J.K. Rowling had said that she had sometimes like referenced it or looked at it and (laughs) and whatever. And so she was very supportive of it. And then a publishing house approached the the librarian Mm -hmm. and said, well, we would like to publish this. You're able to publish this. It won't be a problem. It won't be an infringement. And. In fact, you know, Jake, you mentioned the the Harry Potter encyclopedia. She was planning to do this and she felt like, yes, indeed, it did infringe. And then it was for profit. Somebody else was basically reaping the benefits of her creations. And I admit, I agree with her on this point um, that, you know, it's it's fine. She's fine as long as it's fan fiction and, and people are, you know, just having fun with these storylines and with the characters. But, you know you decide to profit off of her create creations and then it's i think it is a problem well and we saw some of that with uh lucas as well um 
you know, I, I don't know if this was uh, people were selling this, but there was a cut of there was the Phantom edit, right? Uh, where someone had cut out Jar Jar Binks from the entire um, first episode of Star Wars, and uh, Lucasfilm had that removed, and you know, the Lucasfilm has tried to remove the Star Wars Holiday Special too, and <laughs> there's that whole story. But that I think that the arc to these two individuals is very similar, and one of the things we saw. With one of the things we've seen with both characters, both not both characters, both <laughs> creators, is um, this has become this has dominated their life. This is right. now the thing that they do. Well, and also remembering that these creations came from extraordinarily painful and and emotional experiences in their life. These yeah. are sea changes for both of them. So I can absolutely understand why they were so. Why they are so wrapped up in this. These are these are part of them. And, you know, for JK, it, it was not just the fact that she was going through this hard time and then this helped turn the corner. It was also that a lot of Harry Potter was written because, you know, her mother died yeah. and she was mourning her mother. And part of why she was it was not just all these other elements going on. But, you know, she has said in the past that there wouldn't be a Harry Potter if her mother hadn't hadn't passed away. Um and then George Lucas, similarly, because he had this accident and what he wanted his life to be. These are pivotal moments in these people's lives. And so I do, but you here's, know. Here's the thing, Conrad, where I think things are um, diverging a little bit. Um, we have J.K. Rowling now in a place where she's saying, that's it. We're done. No more. Uh, she said that. And now she's coming back. She's creating this new film series that she's writing. Um, there's going to be more Harry Potter content coming out in the future. I also suspect that at some point there's going to be a Harry Potter television show or something well, I like think, that. I think 20 or 30 years from now, the film series is going to be rebooted. Oh, too. definitely. Um, I, don't, I think it's going to be earlier than that. And, you know, that might not necessarily be a bad thing, because at that point, They'll have all the books at once to adapt. Right. Whereas the problem here was they were um, they were getting very close to the end of the books. Right. And the books weren't all out. So, you know, there's a separate thing there. But I think JK is right now. There's some criticism coming down on her with where which is a parallel to what Lucas was doing with the prequels. He said for a long time, I'm done. No more Star Wars. Then he made the prequels and the prequels weren't necessarily what the fans wanted. And now Lucas has kind of taken a very different approach and he's like, you know, I want the franchise to be in good hands. I'm going to sell it to Disney. They really take care of their properties and handle them with care. And now we're seeing a whole new sequel trilogy coming out and sequel movies. That won't have anything to do with the canon, though, I think is what they had said. No. Well, they're saying it. they are going to be... The canon now is only the films. Right. The expanded universe of books and all of that is gone. So these are following the canon... Um, of what happens after Return of the Jedi, not what happens in the Thrawn trilogy right. and all of that. But Lucas is basically giving up control of of his well, baby. Well, yeah, and, and I hear that. And I also, I don't know if you saw the documentary, The People versus George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. And I do understand some of the things that the fans were saying. I get it. I also was upset at some of those things. But ultimately, to me, he's the creator. He's the god of that universe. So he gets to do what he wants. And if he decides to cede control... To Disney, that's his business too, and that's okay. Um, and then with J.K. Rowling, I also think that, you know, I I think I would find it pretty hard to let go of the Harry Potter universe if that was my creation. And I know that she's been writing some other adult um, themed books that are more de de like detective series and, and that kind of thing. But come on, do you really want to do that after you've been writing about magic for that many yeah, years? Like, yeah. so I understand, I understand her need to do There's that. There's a difference here too with uh, with the source material. You know, um, a book is really about the author and their editor. Mm -hmm. um, the editor sort of helps chip away and bring out the best of what the author is creating. Whereas film and cinema is really much more of a collaborative effort between who wrote the script, who's directing the movie, and everyone else involved. It's a, it's a huge collaborative effort. The thing with Star Wars is the original films, if we look at, at them, they were a collaboration between Lucas and the people he was working with, and Empire Strikes Back wasn't directed by him. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I think my criticism of the prequels is uh, there was too much control with one person. Right. Not enough collaboration. Well, it's well, different you know, with the book, that's because with J.K. and, it is. and Harry Potter. It is, because you that was her. You can have one person. Yep, exactly. Um, and I also think George Lucas, in some ways, because, and this is some of the challenges of getting those films out, 
was, you know, he was getting a lot of flack. Like people are saying these are never going to be successful, but he collaborated with a huge team. And you're correct. Like, I think that they helped rein in some of those tendencies that we saw in the prequels. Yeah. But... Um, but I actually, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Uh, don't even get me started uh, about that. I just can't. <laughs> um, but I, I actually, I don't see what J.K. Rowling is doing as as quite as far-reaching or crazy as some of the things George Lucas has done. Even though I don't agree with what George Lucas has done, I understand it, and I have to say, I was sort of. I was a little bit surprised when he ceded control to Disney. Yeah. But I also felt like that was a very grown up thing. It was absolutely. (laughs) It was a very smart and prudent thing for him to do. And one of the things that George Lucas has done brilliantly, and I alluded to this earlier with Harry Potter, is there's many entry points into the Star Wars universe. You have the original trilogy, you have the prequels, you have the Star Wars Clone Wars, which are really amazing. I, I watched them in preparation for my panel at WonderCon. And um, they're really well done. That brings in a whole different group into this. The video games, the comics, there's so many ways to get into Star Wars and there's no better company to keep that moving forward than Disney. Disney's mastered that with their vertical integration. And I think think it was a very grown up thing to do. Um, And with JK, um, I think we're gonna find out over the next few years as these new properties and new developments um, are are released, we're going to see what direction the Harry Potter universe is headed. I think it's unclear what direction it's headed, except that there's going to be more of it. Right. Um, But to answer our question, generally, and just my sense now, from what the information that we currently have, I think JK is the better emperor of the franchise. I think I think George Lucas has made some good decisions recently, but I think some of the things leading up to his grown-up decision... I don't know that these were all the best decisions. Um, And I feel like at the moment she's a better emperor, but time couldn't tell. Maybe maybe this will shift in my mind later on. Um, That's a very I was going to vote tie at the end, but I think you're right. When I look at the Harry Potter universe, there hasn't really been a big failure. Right. There has been a dud book. Um, The film adaptations are some better than than others, but there's none I hate. Um, uh, so you're right. I vote JK as well. Look at that. Mind meld. Mind meld. Congratulations. Um, uh, JK Rowling. We know you're probably excited to hear this because you're probably <laughs> listening to this podcast. Of Someone had some, her people told her that she just yeah, won yeah. the infinite crossover chamber on the super fantastic nerd hour. So yeah. you're, you're welcome. <laughs> so leaving <laughs> the infinite crossover chamber. Ooh. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> that was a little bit of the moder- uh, uh How do you say it? I, the Marauders map? A little bit Marauders, yeah. Yeah, Marauders. There we go. Mischief managed. Mischief managed. Okay, so let's do a little Accio top five. Yeah. Um, what's what's our top five for today, Conrad? Our top five are, are Ollie and H.A.'s personal favorite Harry Potter moments. Yep. And the way we're defining this, it's not necessarily moments that happened in the book. Could be, could be moments that happened in the film, or it could be just memories we have that are related to Harry Potter. Um, So we're not going to, we're going to try to keep ourselves from fanning out a little bit on this, but um, let's see, see how it kind of unfolds. Conrad, you want to go with your top uh, number five? I think my number five would have to be watching Harry Potter and the um, the Deathly Hallows at Universal Studios. You saw them at Universal Studios? Yep. That's I saw, pretty cool. Yeah, um, because they were playing, they were showing them because yeah. obviously Harry Potter World is there. Yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely pretty cool. And it was just super exciting to, part to go there. Part one or part two or both? I believe it was part two. So the finale. I think so. Yeah. No, it may have been part one. I have to I'd have to check my notes. Sure. Um, but just the fact that we had just gone to, to the wizarding world yeah. and, and it was just super cool. And we we all went and it was just this 
huge level of excitement and there weren't a ton of people in the theater actually but it was still very exciting (laughs) um and it was really the space with your sense of joy yeah um so that was that's my my number five good choice that that reminds me when i saw star trek the 2009 film at the kennedy space center it was the same kind of thing like you can't top that um my number five is voldemort's backstory reading it in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Again, I'm a psychologist. I really love understanding how various things contribute to um, who um, who someone becomes. And um, there was no character I wanted to learn about more, um, whose backstory I wanted to learn more than Voldemort's. And when you do learn it and how he's connected to Salazar Slytherin and the various events that have happened in his um, ancestry. I think it's really interesting how it kind of all unfolds. So uh, that's my favorite book, The Half-Blood Prince, for many reasons, not Mm -hmm. just because of the backstory, but um, that chapter one, cracking open Half-Blood Prince, and it's like Tom Riddle's like origin story. Oh, I, I loved it. Loved it. Um, my number four was, um, it's related to the book, um, and it's not it's not exactly a backstory, but it was like a moment in the book. And one of the things that I think is very satisfying about Harry Potter is that you're you're watching him, you're watching him go through um, like all these problems with his family. And there is in in the first Harry Potter book when he is basically trying to to he has had his birthday and all the messages start coming to him from the owl post and Mm. and the Dursleys won't give them to him. And they travel to (laughs) all sorts of like lengths so that he cannot receive these letters and they end up in this on this island. Um, And the moment when Hagrid just blows down the door yeah, and yeah. basically does this reveal and tells him that no, you're you're special. You're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, and he has this birthday cake for him, and it's just <laughs> yeah. this really great moment. It's not like it's it's just a very heartwarming moment because he's been through so much, and the Dursleys are such jerks to him, and then Hagrid's kind of like, uh, you're dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that was that's my number four. Uh, good choice. My number four is um, a similar type of moment. Um, my number four is discovering Sirius Black. And mm. so um, in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, again, I saw the film before I read the books. But even in the film, um, you think he's a villain. And then when you find out that he's actually Harry's godfather and he was close friends with Harry's parents, um, that was a really emotional moment for me. Th- there's this character that I've become so invested in who has felt so alone and hasn't had um, an adult figure, you know, besides like Dumbledore, really, that he um, feels attached to. And then you you have this kind person pa- played by Gary Oldman, who I just adore. Um, and you realize that um, he is this person who has a connection to his family. That was uh, incredibly meaningful to me as, as I saw that. That's also why his death um, at in Order of the Phoenix hits me so hard. I think um, it hit everybody hard, yeah. including J.K. Rowling. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, but that speaks to what you were saying earlier about this book. is It's a mature book that doesn't um, dumb, dumb down itself to, to kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. so discovering Sirius Black, he's still one of my favorite characters in the whole series. Um, number three. Uh, I'll go, since um, you've gone first. Um, my favorite quote from all of Harry Potter. It was foolish for you to come here tonight, Tom. Hmm, nice. This is from Order of the Phoenix, and um, this is something Dumbledore says to Voldemort in um, in the Ministry, uh, in the atrium, right before that big battle unfolds. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a book I read before the movie came out, and what I love about this is how awesome Dumbledore is and how much he just refuses to call Voldemort Voldemort. He's like, this gives him more power. If you you're avoid, if you say he who must not be named, you're giving him more power. And I don't know him as Voldemort. I know him as Tom Riddle and I'm hmm. going to refer to him as Tom Riddle. And that's the that that's just so awesome in how he like has that approach with Voldemort. But then also the the battle that unfolds and you begin to see how much of a master Dumbledore is as a wizard. And that part totally got butchered in the movie. And the movie version of Dumbledore is more of a bumbling kind of fool. Um, and you don't really see the power and control that he has as a wizard. But you do in the book. And that line just kind of sums up 
how awesome Dumbledore is. Well, and why everybody is in awe of him. Yeah, totally. um, My number three is actually, it's not necessarily a moment, but it's an evolution of certain characters. And basically, it is the evolution of the teachers in Harry Potter, how they go from being these, um, these authority figures to Harry and Ron Hermione and all the, all the, the students at Hogwarts. And then as the books progress, they become more human and also allies with, with the students. So at the end, when you have the big epic battle, you have the teachers and the students fighting side by side. And you also have the teachers pitting themselves against other teachers that are, you know, the, 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 you know, death eaters and things like that. And really these are the teachers that you would be afraid to be caught by, but now they're your allies. And you see a little bit of this early on, especially with um, Professor McGonagall and Harry, Mm -hmm. when you think he's going to, and Lupin, but specifically McGonagall is the one that really strikes me when he's going to get caught for flying (laughs) in flying clasp and he catches the snitch and instead of kicking him out, which he's terrified of, she puts him on the Quidditch team. I love that. It's such a, it speaks to um, understanding the strength of a student and nurturing it. Right. And so there's all these little things about the teachers in these books that I really, or professors, I guess I should call them. But um, there, there's all these little backstories that make them much more human. And I really like how teachers are portrayed in this. And that is definitely one of my favorite things. Good, good pick. Good pick. Love it. Um, my number two is The Tale of the Three Brothers. And ah. here is where I'm picking something in the films over the books. Um, I really... I did not know that there was going to be this animated sequence in Deathly Hollows. So when when the movies, when Hermione starts reading the tale of the three brothers and it fades and then it fades in to this animated sequence that really just kind of shocked me at first. And then as the story unfolds, I thought it was so beautifully done. It was well done. And I was trying to figure out how they were going to basically cram that story in because it just seemed like this is pretty extensive mm-hmm. so it was and genius. it was well done and genius the way they did it and yep. the the animation i thought was really impressive yeah yeah what's well, your right. number two number two is um drinking butter beer at harry potter world <laughs> good with, good pick with my friend lisa it was yeah. this moment we um <laughs> We got into Harry Potter World. We had to go there super early because, of course, we needed to be some of the first people in that park. And we were, which was great. And I remember like running to the gates and and walking in. And one of the first things that we saw was the cart. Of, well, we saw the Hogwarts Express and then yeah. there was the cart of butterbeer. And we all ran <laughs> over and we were like, yes. And it was like drinking that and just seeing everybody's faces and myself included. It was just so exciting yeah. and awesome. And then it was just this unfolding of harry potter world before us so but that moment specifically was one of my favorites you know we should i should mention um um if you do not drink alcohol this is not an alcoholic beverage it's it's like root beer it tastes Uh, like butterscotch root beer kind of yeah yeah so any everyone should check it out there's a lot of recipes to how to make it at home which is not it's not the same as as what you get in in the harry potter world but you tried to make butter beer no, you know, I haven't. My friend Matt has. And it just um, wasn't quite there. I don't know. I don't know how it worked out. But um, yeah, it's it's magical at the park. Right. Yeah. Um, my number one um, is going to be the midnight release of Deathly Hollows, the book. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I had this wibbly wobbly journey where I saw the films first films one through four then i read the book so i knew what happens in book one two three and four with book five um someone accidentally ruined the ending that Sirius black dies while i was reading the book so that was spoiled and then um book six it was spoiled to me that dumbledore dies so the stories to book one and book six all were spoiled to me in some way which is why you have to do the midnight release which is so when the midnight release happened um we were in line at Politics and Prose in D.C. All my um, my roommates, my friends, we were all there. Um, the experience of going to this release with all the other friends, the the jubilation that happened when you got your hands on the book, and then how everyone just ran home and started reading, where like <laughs> globally everyone 
was reading this book at the same time. Like, that's amazing. It is. I that's actually... the most amazing thing I think that has come out of Harry Potter. It really is. is. people love to read this. Yes. Um, my friend Daniel actually described an experience because I think he was he was coming back... Um, on a plane, I and I he he had made sure that he got his copy of the book. Everybody on the plane was reading Harry yes, Potter. Yes, yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. He's like this. The plane was like eighty percent full <laughs> of Harry Potter, and everybody had the book, and it was like it was just the the just such a great. We're not going to see that again. No, Conrad, a uniting something thing. to that degree. Um, yeah. No, I agree with you. Those those midnight releases were just fantastic. And yeah. I really just loved that. That yeah. was a, just a great feeling of excitement. Yeah. And so I actually that was almost going to be what my number one was, because huh. it is one of my favorite things. But then I realized that my actual favorite thing when I think about Harry Potter was reading the first book uh. and being just so excited about this universe. So yeah. I picked reading the first Harry Potter book. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Oh, uh, all right, all right. Even though I guess I read the Sorcerer's Stone, <laughs> um, but I but for J.K. I will say Philosopher's Stone and just once again, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just reading that first book and being beyond excited, uh, probably the most excited since I was as a kid reading um, the C.S. Lewis books, the, mm. line, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, and just wanting more. Well, look at that. You and I are bookending the series. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, got any honorable mentions? I left it at five because I know we were trying to, to stay at least close to the hour, and we're a little bit over, but not quite. Well, I got one one word, Fireworks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty my good. honorable mention. Um, so let us know, folks, what what you think. What's your favorite Harry Potter memory? Where do you think the franchise is going? What do you think? Um, reach out to us at Nerd Hour on Twitter. Go to superfantasticnerdhour.com. Conrad, where can people find you? On Twitter, I am Die Prince, and then you can also find me on my other podcast about undead things. It's reanimated, and that's reanimatedpodcast.com. Or on Twitter, it's reanimatedpcast. And I am Alima too on Twitter, and you can also find me at brainknowsbetter.com, where I'm the science fiction psychologist. And um, thanks for joining us on this discussion of Harry Potter. Until next time, live long and prosper. Indeed. <laughs>